Well, bless God, if you've not heard me, I'm, I'm from East Texas. <laughs> uh, about 5,000 miles east. You know, I'll tell you, I, I'm going to tell you, I never do this, but I'm going to tell you three stories, and then I'm going to minister. But in 1985, in February 1985, I was ministering in uh, Dallas, and uh, as I was ministering there, a, a prophetess from New York ran across the auditorium at me. As she ran across the auditorium, she started prophesying that you will be like, you will be like an eagle. Now, to you Americans, you know I've lived here for years, so I'm saying to you Americans, that means everything, but to a Brit it meant nothing. You know, all we knew about was Goldie the Eagle in London Zoo. But it just rang in me and rang in me and rang in me. And then the next place I was invited to minister from there, I came down into San Antonio, and I was invited to minister at a church called Eagle's Nest. That's, isn't that interesting? And, it, and, you know, I'm Irish, so it takes a while. I went, duh, I can put the two together. I came back in May and ministered again. They asked me if I'd come and do a series on something. I came back and ministered again. In the middle of the night, the Lord said to me, Eagle, Eagle's Nest. Some sovereign things began to happen, literally sovereign things. The wind literally blew on my Bible. As it blew on my Bible, a scripture just sat there, and he told me in, from Ezekiel 12 to leave my country and literally pack my belongings and leave. And at the same time, one of the young men in our church had a dream, and in the dream he was standing next to me, and the Lord said, turn to Ezekiel 12, and he just, it just began to go like this. So I came back, stood up on a, on a Sunday morning, and the Holy Spirit said to me on Sunday morning, resign your church. Uh, that's a good one. You ought to try that. That's a, that's a Yeah. And then I said, Lord, Lord, Lord. You know, I did it. And so on Tuesday, I met the elders. We agreed that I would leave. And we were in revival. We were literally in revival. People were coming from everywhere to the meetings. And, and, and on Wednesday, I said, Lord, what on earth have I just done? Dropped on my knees. And the Holy Spirit said to me, turn to Ezekiel 17. And it says, and an eagle came. And he took the top of a spruce of Lebanon and he took this from your land and planted it in a land of merchants and a city of traders. And I knew that the Lord was taking me to that eagle's nest. Now there's the story and it gets big and there was a tremendous move of God. And, and, and then the eagle that was over it kind of broke the nest up. And, you know, a lot of us wanted to leave San Antonio. I wanted to go back to Europe. It was more fun. <laughs> And uh, God would never let me out, would never let me out, would never let me out, would never let me out. And then suddenly uh, I met another prophet, another eagle, who was literally from Texas. He's out in Alabama and the Lord said to him in front of everybody, the Lord says, you need to go to Texas. The, guy, the prophet didn't even know. He said, you need to go to Texas because the Lord is about to pull together an eagle's nest. And now I'm ministering here. And it's been years since I've been in Reading. I used to come in here a lot and to minister in an eagle's nest. So take a hint. First story. Second story is very important. Um, what a strange name I've got. But when you hear the prophetic release on this name, you'll get it. When I was a little boy, uh, I was named, quote, Dennis Davis. Davis, the Irish. I was born in Southern Ireland. And the Irish Davis is not the Welsh Davis, which was spelt D-A-V-I-E-S. And uh, most of them got rid of it when they came to America. But most Davises in Europe uh, tend to be D-A-V-I-E-S. 
Well, I was about eight years of age, and my dad suddenly said to me, you know, it didn't used to be our name. And I said, well, what did our name used to be? And he said, gold's worthy, worthy of gold. And so I thought to myself as a little kid, well, why would you get rid of that name? I mean, lots of, I mean, you know, come on, prophesy. I mean, walk up to him and say, hello, worthy of God, come on, I receive. You know, this is, this is tough, you know. But, but he, he did it, and, and I asked him, and, and he, he walked around it, he wouldn't tell me, he walked around it, he wouldn't tell me. And uh, basically, 16 years ago, but it's just actually a little longer than that, 16 and a half years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to take your name back. And so I said to my dad, who was still alive at the time, uh, I feel like God wants me to take the name back. He got very irritated. And he said, couldn't you just call yourself Dennis G. Davis? And I said, no, I've got to take the name back. But for honor for my dad, I was going to leave Davis, but I had to have Goldsworthy. And for the Irish, there are a lot, of, a, a lot like the Hispanics, they'll join the family names together. And so... I had to go back to England to do it, and you have to do it in a special way, and you have to get a special deed from the lawyer's office, and if you don't know the English, they actually call a lawyer a solicitor, but you can't really say that over here. So I went to the lawyer's office, I arrived on a Tuesday, went to the lawyer's office, I got the deed poll, got my name back, my name was now Dennis Goldsworthy Davis. I got the name back, I went to a meeting in Nottingham, if you don't know where Nottingham is, it's Sherwood Forest, Robin Hood, uh, I'm just trying to help you, alright, and... I, I literally went to a meeting. The pastor of the, the church came to me same day, same day that I got my name back. And the pastor of the church came to me and said, there's a woman that wants to see you. And I said, what does she want? Knowing I'm prophetic, thinking, oh, she wants a word. I said, could she just wait till after the meeting? But she, I could see her. She was agitated. It was a great meeting. The Holy Spirit was everywhere. And, you know, she was getting more agitated because she'd been told to do something. So she comes and she sits down and says, I was told by God that if I heard that you were coming back into the country, I had to meet you. The same day, I got Goldsworthy back. And I said, what for? And she said, because God told me to give you part of my inheritance. Now step back a minute, you've got to get this. (laughs) Americans are known for being generous. British are not. You getting this? So when a British person says to you, I'm going to give you part of my inheritance, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, sure. (laughs) You know, Hollywood goes to the wrong place to get its actors. We are better than any of them. We can put on a show. So I've got this show on, and I keep this cool face, but inside I'm going, yeah, sure. So I said to her 17 years ago, basically, what are we talking about? And 17 years ago, she said 20,000 pounds. At that time, $35,000. Now, go to me. This is a British person. You know, if you get a British person to put five pounds in the offering, you just had a revival. And a British person is telling me that they're going to give me $35,000. The day I get my name back. Worthy of gold. She did it. She put it in my bank account. I said, Lord, what is that about? At first he said nothing. And then secondly, he began to tell me, the church has lost sight of its inheritance. 
You had your inheritance taken from you in the changing of your name. God then told me why my dad changed the name. And he also told me where we came from. And it looks like that we were Jews from the Spanish Inquisition. You get this? So the day I do prophetic, the day I do what God tells me to do, he tells someone that I don't know but knows me to come and give me part of their inheritance because my inheritance worthy of gold had been stolen. Watch this. My brother isn't even saved. But when he found out what I had done, he changed his name and his two sons changed their name and both of them, one of them is an almost multi-millionaire already, and the whole thing got turned around. And the other one is, is, is just seeing God bless their lives. And they're not even walking with God. But because I obeyed God, it opened the door to inheritance. So you see, he quoted this. And this is only the second of the stories. But Ephesians 1 and verse 17 through 19 makes this statement. that I pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That you might know our glorious Father better. And I pray that the eyes of your understanding would open and that you would know the hope of your calling. And it isn't heaven. Your calling is here on earth. And the, glo- listen, and the glorious riches of his inheritance in, in the saints. You need a revelation of what's yours, son of God. And that you might know the power of God. Listen, Dunamis of God toward you. Toward you. It is like the working energeo of God when he raised Jesus from the dead. In other words, the same way that God released his energy to get Jesus out of the grave is the same way he releases his energy toward you. But if you don't see it, you'll never ask for it. Alright, that's the second story. I ain't even started yet. By, uh, by the way, you'll see that a strange energy comes on me any minute now. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is really interesting, but I was doing a, a meeting in Texas, and a Methodist minister asked me to come down and speak about the kingdom of God and about the Holy Spirit. A Methodist minister. So I did what he asked, but I did it prophetically. First session went kind of good. The people liked it, but I could see his face doing this. (laughs) Got halfway through the second. I thought he was about to burst a blood vessel. And I thought, Lord, this is not going to go good. I'm supposed to pray for people at the end of this. It's a bad word, pray for people. You don't pray for them. You minister to them. And so, uh, so the Holy Spirit said to me, take the meeting outside. So I said to the pastor, this last meeting, I don't know why, but I feel God says, take it outside. So they did as they were told. They, they all took their chairs. They put them outside. And I ministered about the Holy Spirit. I ministered about experiencing the Holy Spirit. And this is the truth before God. And the Lord said, blow on them. I started at this side right here. And behind it were these massive trees. And as I opened my mouth to blow, a wind hit the trees. The power of God hit everyone, including the agitated minister. When I came to the far end and stopped, the wind stopped. 
anyone that was there still speaks of it. Why am I telling you? Because I suddenly heard the same sound in here during your worship. Which means the Holy Spirit is, is wanting to release the wind to blow on this fellowship in a different way even than other fellowships around have had it blow. I'm talking about God is wanting to do something new. Alright? So those are the first three stories. Now let's stir it up. You see, God sees like an eagle. But we see like turkeys. We were never told to mount up on the wings of a turkey. What is the difference? An eagle can see a mile away. An eagle can catch the winds. We're told to mount up on the wings of eagles. But most of us spend our lives like turkeys. The difference is an eagle can see afar off. A turkey can only see what is around them and is very circumstantially based. Even though they're quite intelligent, they're only good for Christmas dinner. And most of the church is only good for Christmas dinner. Because it can't see beyond its nose and it won't let the Spirit of God lift it up from where it is. Now this is important. You see, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, that God says, just, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's the problem. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. How does he get his ways and his thoughts to you? Because if I'm looking like a turkey, I can't hear the sound of an eagle. I'm so busy living by my circumstance that I can't hear what God wants me to hear. His thoughts are greater than your thoughts. His ways are greater than your ways. And I'm going to talk for a few minutes about this before I begin on the prophetic word. He also tells us in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, he says this, I know, I love this, the thoughts I have concerning you. I know the plans I have for you. I know the purpose I have for you. My problem is getting it from me to you. Because if God can't get you to see his ways, he'll never get you to hear what he says. True story. One more story before we kind of get deeply serious. You don't mind me getting serious, do you? I have a sense of humor, which you'll see in a minute. And I also dance, and you'll see that in a minute. Because I like the salsa, yeah? Come on. All right. Can't live in San Antonio without salsa. You have to do it. All right. In England, we used to have a wall on the outside of our property. I've always wished in Texas you could have walls on the outside. It just felt like more regal. We, we can't have them there. They don't let you do it. But we had a wall, and I had a five-year-old little girl, and she was standing on the wall. And next to her was a seven-year-old boy who was literally the son of one of the ministers in the church. And I went up to my five-year-old, and I was about this far away, and I said to her, jump. And she said, jump? Because you've got to do it British. And I said, jump. And she said, Daddy, but... but Will, will you catch me? I said, I'm your dad. Of course I'll catch you. Jump. 
So she jumped, and I caught her. And then I went back a little further. And I said to her again, jump. She looked at me, and I looked at her, and she jumped, and I caught her. And then I went right back here. And I said to her, jump. She looked at me, you sure you'll catch me? I said, I'm your dad, I'll catch you. She jumped, there was no way that she could have made it, and I jumped. She jumped, I jumped, and caught her. Watch this. Then I said to the boy next to her, jump. He said, you're kidding. (laughs) What am I just telling you? See, she knew her father, and she knew his ways, and until the church knows the ways of God, it won't listen to a thing he says. So God wants to get you and me into a place where we know his ways and we know his thoughts. And you know, the, God's got the most amazing thoughts about you. And he's got to get through to you about the way he thinks about you. In 1987, Kim Clement came to our church, Eagle's Nest, in San Antonio. My wife was sitting over here. And I was sitting over here. Not that we were killing each other. We just were sitting in different places. But the truth is, for the first 20 years of our marriage, we had living hell. She didn't want to be in the ministry. She only half wanted to be saved. And she wasn't for it. And so we had this tension like this. And Kim Clement prophesied. And he said, Dennis, I see you and your wife dancing together at the front of the church. And I said to myself, as a prophet, that'll be the day. (laughs) I'm a prophet. And I said, that'll be the day. But then I said, Lord, if you say it, I believe it. I just can't see it, but I believe it. I just can't see it. 1994, we had a move of God hit our church that went on day after day after day after day after day after day, seven days a week, actually started the same day as it started in Toronto. And the Lord asked me when it started, will you go 24-7? And I couldn't figure what he was saying in time. In the middle of all that, the tension between my wife and I got worse. Well, how would you like a move of God? With your husband always gone, and you don't like the ministry anyway. And suddenly, in the middle of the move of God, the Holy Spirit said to my wife, I want you, and he was there, to go to the elders and repent for what you have done to your husband and to this church. You've got to hear this. This is why I dance. She came in, she did not want to do it. And with gritted teeth, she said to the elders, I have been told by God to put this right, and so I'm asking your forgiveness for what I've done to my husband, for what I've done to you. They all were gracious. They put their hands on her. They said, oh, God forgive you. God bless you. She felt the power of God, sat down, and when she went to go back up, she couldn't stand. She could only dance. Before that, she was like empty hands on empty head. You couldn't move her. Suddenly, she and she started to dance. She started to dance. She started to dance. I mean, she started to dance. 
It's not bad for an old guy, is it? Anyway, so she danced into the auditorium and every woman went, God's ways, now what you don't know is before my wife was saved, she was a dancer. She was not only a ballet dancer, but she was a disco dancer and still can outdance almost anyone I've ever met. And God, his ways was to give her her dance back. You see, we see the dead person, he sees the live person. We see the circumstances, he sees the future. You're catching it. His purpose for you is way greater than you can see. So he wants to first of all open his ways to you so he can show what he says to you so that he can change the whole way that you walk. I mean, even if we started prophesying tonight, there's just nothing but good. I know that some of you, when I walk into places, people look at their shoes. Did you not polish your shoes? What's wrong with you? Well, I'm scared you might see something. What? If you told God, I, I, please forgive me, he can't remember what you said. Well, how come prophets know? Because you won't let it go. You don't need to look at your shoes. God's far more interested in your future than your mistakes. So how does God quickly get through to you and start to show you what he wants to show you? Well, he does it two ways. He does it through his word and he does it by his spirit. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 onwards to about verse 14, I has not seen, ear has not heard, the things the Father has prepared for those who love Him. But He has revealed it to us by His Spirit. But who knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of a man? And who knows the things of God, save the Spirit of God? Who searches, watch this, who searches the deep things of God for you. And then He comes and reveals it to you about you. The word revelation is a very simple word. It means to denude. I'm going to give you a revelation. I used to be covered in tattoos. Before Dave Beckham got famous, you took your tattoos off and now you can put them on. So I took all these tattoos off here, left these ones up here, but I have one right here. And it is a spider crawling out of my belly button. Watch this. So when I'm fit, it's a house spider. But when I grow, it becomes a tarantula. You now know something you didn't know. Every time you see me, you'll go, Oh, he's got a spider. How's he looking? It's still pretty small. If he puts on weight. You now know something you didn't know. That's all the Holy Spirit wants to do. It's reach in and begin to reveal things to you you don't know from the Father's heart. You catching it? God's after revealing. You see, he wants a prophetic company, not a pathetic company. He doesn't want one major prophet and a whole bunch of people saying, Oh, please prophesy over me again. Uh, oh, it's been such a bad week. Oh, I need a prophecy. 
read the horoscope or something. Get over it. You want what God wants. He, and he's after doing it in your heart. You see, I don't have all the time to do this because I'm after a prophetic word I want to give you. But you see, not only does he reveal it, but he begins to go after it. It tells us in, in uh, James 4 and verse 5 that the, the Holy Spirit envies intensely. The word literally means he wars to gain in you what he has invested in you. He begins to wrestle with you. you if you come from Wales, you say wrestle. Oh, he's wrestling with me. <laughs> what it means is he begins to war within you to gain in you. How many of you have ever felt, oh, I don't know what it is, but there's just something going on inside. What is that? Yeah? And then he does another thing. I'm trying to do all this quickly. He prays in you. He, how many of you, come on, be honest. I'm looking at your faces. I think I've got the right crowd. How many of you, be honest, don't, you're not always 100%. Yes, oh, baby, this is the best. I mean, how, how many of you sometimes a bit... Come on, tell the truth. How many of you have ever gone to bed in a bad mood? Because if you're ever going to feel it, it's at night. And you go to bed like, uh, you, you, know, you, you know that. We, we're old, so we can talk about this. It used to be that, that what's his name, Martin's re- laughing, you know, Goldie Horn got, and there was a little, uh, 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 uh. that's how I see it with most of the churches. We're so miserable. Les miserables. And we go to bed in that mood. And then, and then about two o'clock in the morning you wake up. And there's a song going on. And it's nothing to do with the way you felt when you went to bed. And you think, where did that song come from? Where did that song come from? And it won't go, whether it's Bethel up there or uh, our church. We, this, is, this is a confession. We don't even sing Bethel songs. <laughs> Sacre bleu. The reason we don't, the reason we don't is because we're a prophetic house. And so we've got, we've got songs being birthed in our own house. It's got nothing to do with don't like them. And sometimes I want to get on the phone at two o'clock in the morning and say to my wife, uh, say to my wife to, to tell my daughter to go to sleep. Because I can hear her singing, 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 singing. And sometimes it's from Bethlehem, sometimes it's from Australia. Singing, singing. The Holy Spirit is singing, 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 singing. Hey, hey, I've got something more for you than you've got for you. I'm singing, 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 praying, singing, 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 praying. It's the ways of God. You never wake up and you hear, oh, you miserable wretch. You never hear the Holy Spirit. It's purpose, <laughs> destiny, purpose, destiny. You getting this? And then sometimes he sighs through you. He actually did it with Jabez. I've actually studied this. The Holy Spirit shared this with me. Where Jabez, if you read it, he, he literally makes this statement. Oh. And that oh is the sigh of God coming through. 
That's the Holy Spirit trying to bring you to the place God has for you, to show you everything God has for you. But then on top of that, he uses his word. Literally in the same scripture, it says, literally, as my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher, so is my word that proceeds, King James, proceedeth out of my mouth. I will always do. And so God uses the Logos. He's reading it, if I can just lift it up. Because I, I lift up my iPad, it doesn't look right. God uses the Logos. And what he does is he'll speak his ways, but he'll speak and he'll take a word from the Logos, 1 Corinthians 10, 17, and he'll make it a rhema, a word of God, as you're reading it to you. And he does that, but then he uses the prophets, he uses angels, he even uses the cloud of witnesses. Because he's constantly saying, and what I said to you, I will do. Anybody ever heard of Reinhard Bonke? Well, I'm going to tell you a story. I actually sat up and asked him if it was true. He was, one, he was at 13 years of age prophesied over in a, a meeting in Germany that he would be used by God to, to literally lead thousands and millions to the Lord. He went to a Bible school in London. And on the day before he left, he was wandering around the streets of London. As he's wandering around the streets of London, he suddenly saw a nameplate on, on, on the gate by the wall, and it said, George Jeffries. Now, what you don't know, if you don't come from Britain, is George and Stephen Jeffries were used to do miracles, even like putting eyeballs back into sockets where they weren't there. You get what I'm saying? He suddenly saw the name George Jeffries, and he went, it can't be the George Jeffries. Surely not the George Jeffries. And so he went... And he knocked on the door, and by then George was way up into, into his 80s. He knocked on the door, and a lady came to the door, and she said, hello. And he said, this isn't the George Jeffries. Hello, this is not the George Jeffries. <laughs> and she said, it is, but he's very sick. Please go away. Suddenly, a deep old voice called out from the room. Send that young man in here. He went and he sat opposite him to just look at the old war horse that had done so many miracles. And the old man looked at him. He said his eyes were like beady looking straight through him. Suddenly the old man came off his couch, grabbed him, pulled him to the floor, wrestled him to the floor and prayed his anointing on his life. Two weeks later, George Jeffries is dead. Reinhard Bonnke just carries on and suddenly one day he's doing a, a, an evangelistic crusade. He's got an evangelist in. He's doing a crusade in Africa and the, and the Lord says to the evangelist, go home. And he said to Reinhard Bonnke, the Lord's told me to go home. He said, what am I going to do? All these people have come to hear you. The, he said, the Lord says you're to take over. And he stood up for the first time, frightened stiff. And suddenly he heard this voice speaking to him as he was preaching. My word in your mouth is as powerful as my word in my mouth. And he said as he heard it, he wanted to say heresy. 
And God said it's not the mouth. It's the word. The power of his words. In the same meeting, the Lord said to him, tell every blind person that is in the auditorium to stand up. In nervousness, he said, anyone that is blind, stand up. There were 11. And he shouted, see! And 10, instantly, their eyes opened. Listen, because it was the word of God in his mouth. You see, when God says something to you, about you, it carries the same glorious, and let there be. But the only hindrance is, we don't seem to want to let it happen. So the Holy Spirit keeps wrestling and warring and sending the prophetic. So you ready for the prophetic? Yes. I was in uh, Austria. You know Johnny Cash sang that song? I've been everywhere, man. That was written for me. I'd just, been every, I'd just been all over the place. I was in Austria. And the Holy Spirit said something to me that shook me. And he said it again today to me about you and about what he wants to do here. He said to me, he said, you have a breaker's anointing. So I'm about to tell you what you have. And the Lord said to me to tell you, and I'd never met you yet, that you have and will have imparted to you a breaker's anointing. And this house is to have a breaker's anointing. Now the next 15 minutes, the next 15 minutes are to tell you what on earth I just said. Some people said to me, what do you mean? You see it tells us in Malachi 2 and verse 13, and one who breaks open the way will go before them. And they will break open the gate and follow him. In other words, he's looking for people that will not stand in status quo. Now please, please, please listen to what I say and not what I don't say. You have a wonderful, wonderful church in town. You really do. It's one of the most famous churches in the world. But they are not the in-all and end-all of what the Holy Spirit is doing. They have gone somewhere. And the Lord said to me, just as Joseph had a coat of many colors, so my grace manifests in multicolors. And I don't want a, a one-sided church, I want the church. So just as they broke into an area, God has other areas to be broken into. And he needs people with a breaker's anointing that will break open the gates. What are the gates? They're where the church has been told this far, no further. They work as ceilings, they work as gates. The gates of the enemy cannot prevail. They can't hold you back when you walk in the kingdom. They're not beating you, you're beating them. I sat down by a stone many years ago and I was sitting down. And uh, How many of you have ever heard a Londoner speak? I'll do it for you in a second. 
And that, you know, for instance, just to show you, Londoners, if they moan, they moan real good. Uh, the British, the only people that can lean over a garden fence and say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's just really good moaners. The, the, Australians call the, the Australians call them whinging poms. Poms, you know, they're always moaning. Well, when a Londoner moans, they can moan. For instance, if you say shut up, you say shut up. But a Londoner doesn't do that. He goes, shut up. See? So I was kind of doing a London on God. And I was going, Lord. Hey, Lord. And I was, I really was, why is it? And how come? It's not fair. So I'll translate it to an English that you understand. And I, and I said, Lord, basically, how come Catherine Hall Coleman had what she had? And how come Benny, and how come, and how come? And God said straight back to me. He said, the problem with the church is this. They only know how to maintain what they have. They do not know how to press in for more. And the word press in is the word pursue. In other words, God is in need of some people that don't let the gate say no further. And just because it says beware of the dog, it doesn't mean you can't go in. And a breaker's anointing is one that says to the gate, I don't care how long you've hemmed the church in, I don't feel this is kingdom. How great the Father's love has been demonstrated, 1 John 3 and verse 1, that He has lavished it on us, that we should be called the sons of God. John 1 and verse 11, He came to His own, His own received Him not, but to as many as received Him, to Him He gave the authority to become the sons of God. In other words, He gave you the parchment, you've got to use it. It's not sitting in church going, Come by, my Lord. Come by, oh Lord. Come by, someone sleeping, Lord, next to me. In fact, oh Lord, they look like a tree. Because nothing's happening to them, you see. Oh Lord, kumbaya. The preacher's snoring, Lord, because he's fast asleep. He daren't open his eyes because he'll get a peep of how dead the church is. Kumbaya. Oh Lord. And the whole church is. And the Lord says, the Lord says, I want a breaker's anointing. See, most of the church sits there waiting for somebody. I said, is there somebody? I said, R.W. Shepherd, I said, there's somebody. I know there's somebody. The trouble is, there has never been somebody. Because most of everybody is waiting for somebody else. 
that sons of God want to go somewhere they've not been and they don't want anybody saying there's nothing more for you. There's plenty more for you. It's called a breaker's anointing. They break the gates open. You want a bit more? So are you prepared to break the gates open? Secondly, they break open the door. You see, if you really know the Bible, you will never ever read Genesis 32 and believe that Jacob in that wrestle prevailed over God. God could have flicked him out of the tent onto the far side of the earth. You don't understand. Read the whole book and not the part you want. Genesis 32 verse 1 on, it says, And Jacob noticed two camps of angels. And they were dancing the dance of Manahayim. I don't know what it was, but I want to say, I, I, I don't think it was like this. I think it was more like glory. They were making room. And he knew to himself, because of Genesis 28, angels equals God. When he saw the angels, he saw God. He said, angels equals God. Get rid of the family. And when he got rid of the family, on verse 24, he was on his own. And on verse 25, a man wrestled with him. And he wrestled back. And when he wrestled back, the man said to him, you need to let me go. Because it is daybreak. And he said, I will not let you go, lest you bless me. What's your name? What do you see yourself? Who do you call yourself? How do you envision yourself? He said, I'm Jacob. No, you're not. You're Israel. You made me come out of heaven, boy. You would not let me go till I came out of heaven and created a porthole to wrestle with you because I wanted you to see that your name is not what you think it is and you are not who you think you are. You called me. Folks, we should be dragging God out of heaven. Come on. You say you're extreme. That's the problem with the church. I am not extreme. People say, what's wrong with you? It's not me. It's everybody else. I watched, I watched T.D. Jakes the other day and I thought, that's what's wrong with me. I need to be black. Come on. He's preaching, he's preaching away. And he said these words. He said, he said why is nobody running around the building? I say that. He said, why is nobody on a chair? I say that. And people say, that's irreverent. Well, what part of you is on the chair? Exactly. You see, I'm just being, I'm being calm. You don't know me. God told me to wait, go out there and break it open. It's really weird. But you know, before I was saved, I was a street fighter. And you say, well, you're not big enough. Look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm one, I'm, I'm, I'm like a block. And I was one of the hardest people in the world to fight because I was like a block. And if it hit you, you was hit, you know what I'm saying. 
And you know what they used to do? They used to say, Dennis, there's nothing going on. Start a fight. <laughs> I did, so I, I'd walk up to, where's big guys? and say, hey, you. And he'd go, what? Boom! And a fight would start. You say, well, what's, what's good about that? Because God knew before I was saved what he was going to use me for. I'm not saying it was a good thing to do, but I like starting fights in the church. Wakey, wakey! <laughs> when, when I was in the army, when I was in the British army, I don't get it. How come? Every time I go somewhere, they say, Have you, are you military? I say, you're British military. I thought we were supposed to be your best friends. Oh, yeah, but if you're not American military, we won't give you the, the benefits. No, I'm British military. We were there with you. We discovered you. <laughs> but I had this... You're laying in bed, and we had about 14 in, in, in the little thing with billet we were in, and suddenly the sergeant would appear. He was always the biggest sergeant. And he'd go, Wakey! Wakey! And then if it didn't work, you'd right, walk right next to your bed and say, Wakey! Wakey! And if that didn't work, he'd pick the bed up. Wakey! Wakey! And if that didn't work, he'd turn the bed over. And I feel my job is to come into the church and say, Wakey! Wakey! You sons of God! Sons of God, awaken their own dawn. Psalm 108 verse 1. I will awaken the dawn. I will not stay where I am. I will not. I will move on. Psalm 63 verse 8. My soul follows hard after you. I will not let you go. See, see, you say, well, you've been extreme. Of course I am. I'm trying to find myself some spiritual rabble-rousers. You know what? You know what the famous love song of the church is? I'm on my way to heaven. I shall not be moved. Oh, not, I'm trying to do it British for you. Not by the preacher, I shall not be moved. And not by the worship, I shall not be moved. Oh, I shall not be moved. <laughs> Prophetically now, you're not understanding, even though I'm, you know where the humor came from, because I'm in so intense. <laughs> you know where the humor came from? I was raising the dead every Sunday morning. You... The, the humor came for me. I actually make myself laugh. Sometimes I say things and I say, you, you didn't just say that, did you? But folks, you're not getting it. We are so used to the same old thing. 
that we won't awaken our own door. See, David wouldn't let it be and Jacob would not let go because the Spirit of God within him kept telling him he has a call of God to be a firstborn even though he was secondborn. It means you awaken a new daybreak in the church and in the arena. You break the gates back to what hasn't been done at least for a long time. But it also means you go further up the river. You see, I heard Dutch Sheets once say, it was a great statement. He said, should we go further up the river or we should have the river go further up us? <laughs> now, I'm just going to break you. I, mean, you, you can, I haven't had the offering yet, so it could be all over for me. I want to tell you something. The church has sold you down the river. When I was eight weeks old, my parents took me to be christened in the Church of Ireland. And I'm going to do a little Irish for you, okay? And the vicar got hold of me, picked up this little fella, you see, and he, and he wiggled his finger in the font like this. And he wiggled his finger in the font a little more, and he said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, I now christen thee, I baptize thee. When I got born again, they said to me, you need to be baptized. And I said to them, I don't, I've been baptized. And they said, no, you weren't baptized, you were christened. And so they opened, it's like the ground opened up. <laughs> and down below the ground was this water. And the pastor said, come hither. <laughs> and he put me down under the water and the weight of me changed in the water as the water overwhelmed me. I came up drenched. And the church is running around saying, as long as you go shabba-ba-ba-ba, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, I say to you, and I've been a Pentecostal pastor, no, you were touched by the Holy Spirit. But the word baptize, baptizio, means to totally emerge and to totally overwhelm. The church is running around saying it's baptized in the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit isn't running the church. The church is running the Holy Spirit. There's no baptism here. Most of us have been sprinkled. Most of the, the preachers are running around sprinkling. Oh, get a touch, get a touch, oh, get a touch, oh, get a touch, get a touch. When the Holy Spirit sits on you, He overwhelms you. How far up the river? You see, in 1994 when that move of God came, a lot of people were just having a good time. They got in this far and their feet were in and they were having a good time. They're kicking the water and hallelujah. <laughs> Very few of them allowed the man to walk them up the river until it hit their knees. Because when it hits your knees, you begin to intercede and begin to pray by the Spirit. But even less allowed the man to walk them up the river till it hit them where out of your belly flow rivers. Folks, who told you speaking in tongues was rivers? 
A river coming out of you gushes forth. It cannot be contained. I have four tongues. I pray in tongues all the time like he does. For it, for it, for it, 100%. But folks, where did you get the idea that was the gushing river of God? The Pentecostals told you so. The Word never told you so. But you see, most people won't get to that point. Because that is an overwhelming life of God. But then the man took him a thousand cupids up the river. And he said there were waters to swim in and you couldn't stand. And yet if you watch and read the scriptures, he's not going down. He's being held by God in the rivers. Listen to the word, verse 6. It says, Son of man, do you see this? If you want to see and hear from God, you have got to have a breaker's anointing to take you so far in the river that the river is carrying you and you're not dictating it. If you want to hear the voice of God, if you want to see into the heavenly realms, let God get you into a place where the river rules you. See, what I'm prophesying to you, what I'm prophesying to you, is that I know you've had many touches of God, but I also know that there are two things. I know you've been told, told by God that there's going to be a visitation. And you've been told that you would not die like Simeon before the visitation was had. I also know that the Spirit of God within you is creating an urgency that is saying to you, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And I'm prophesying to you that the overwhelming weight of God is about to hit your life. An overwhelming weight, it'll be so heavy that you will not be able to stand very much for a long time. But out of it, your vision will change, your ears will change, and you will hear what you've never heard. I believe, I think you've had one or two um, heavenly encounters. I feel that when I'm standing next to you. But the Lord says, I'm going to walk you, son, into the heavens. Listen to this, Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than why pleasing is the fragrances of your anointings, and your name is like anointing poured out. Verse 3, no wonder the maidens love you. Verse 4, draw me, and I will run after you. Verse, uh, verse 5, it goes on to say, the king has brought me into his chambers. It means he's brought me to where he lives Instead of me making him keep coming to where I live. Breakers anointing. What I believe is that God is about to move you, if you want it, into a place of the realm of the spirit that has not been seen. It has in some countries, but it's not been seen much here for a long time. The whole gospel now is about pleasing you. That's the kiss. But where's the kingship where he draws you to where he is? And a breaker's anointing will not only go there, but it will lead others there. This is what the Lord says to you. It's to you and to everybody. I'm going to bring them to you and you'll minister to them, but I'll show you the ones that will follow. Not everybody that says, and be careful of the one that says, God has told me to be your armor bearer. What they mean is, I want your anointing. 
But you will know the ones that God has brought. They are sons. It won't be to do with age. It will be to do with who they are. It won't even to do with whether it's male nor female. There will be sons. And they will come in and they will draw of you. They will draw where you are, not where they want to be. Going to give you another one. Psalm 42, verse 7. Read verse 6. Verse 6, he's crying out to God. And verse 7, he says, deep calls to deep. The Spirit of God within you is sounding out what's happening. As the heart pants after the water brook, deep is calling to deep. When can I go and meet with God? Verse 2. When can I meet with God, the living God? There's a deep calling. Listen to the next statement. In the roar of your waterfall. What is a waterfall? The roar of the waterfall is the outpouring of the Spirit of God through a porthole that has opened in heaven and the roar is being heard by the man that hears the deep call to the deep and has been responding in prayer and suddenly he hears the roar and he goes to where the roar is and the waterfall is just bursting and cascading. You see a touch of God will touch you but a roar of a waterfall is a cascade that affects thousands and millions because it's an outpouring. Now the next statement. All your waves and breakers have broken over me. David never missed one outpouring. Did you just say what I heard? You said there weren't any outpourings. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet been given. David walked into the New Testament in the Old Testament and walked into the realm. Psalm 16, verse 11, you have shown to me the paths of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand I'm sitting where the outpourings are. That's why Psalms 30, 36 goes on from 7 to 9. It talks about the shadow of his wings and it talks about the fountain of life and it talks about the river of delights. He broke out of the Old Testament into the New Testament. The Lord said to my Lord, my Lord hasn't even come yet. But he broke into the New Testament. He wasn't perfect. His family wasn't perfect. But he broke in. It means you won't miss one outpouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit because you know how to hear the sound and respond to it. You want one more? Listen to this. The boundary lines... Verse 6, Psalm 16, have fallen for me in pleasant places. Did you know that you were not allowed in the Old Testament to move an ancient boundary line? But what David did is he so touched God that the inheritance of God changed the 
boundary lines in which he works. What was Jabez praying? Enlarge my borders. Enlarge my boundaries. Can I just add it for a couple of minutes? Listen to his prayer. Oh. He had to do that. Oh. Because he was hit by God. Oh, that you would barak. Barak. Two words. Barak. Barak. You would bless me. Bless me. Barak is the word we use to bless God. Oh, that you would bless me in a way that brings blessing to you. Oh, that you would bless me, Barak, Barak, in a double portion blessing, that I could be a blessing. Oh, that you would bless me, that I might carry the blessing that I have broken into with me. Oh, and when you bless me, enlarge my borders so that I can touch people with the blessing. And let your hand be with let me break into a new place. Let me change the inheritance. I mean, I watched you worship. Can I just say that? I watched you worship and I worship leader wherever you are. I loved it. Because I know where you can go. You and my daughter would get on good because you just go there. And she has that Celtic side. And when they start to do the Celtic side, we go there. And I watched you and you, some of you are laying down and some of you are doing things and I watch you, you know, it's like the house where they can fly anyhow they want. You know what that means? That you are not worried about what they think. Well, let everything be done decently and in order. The problem is, who's order? The church's order or the Holy Spirit's order? And every time the Holy Spirit moves, there has to be a breakout in order for it to be established. It has to break the boundary backs. You have to take on a fresh anointing. It's always crazy when it breaks out. You've never seen a new baby born and just, just pops out and says, Oh, it's so good to be here. Could I just have my first cup of tea? Thank you so much. This is how they get. Ah! 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 With all the accompanying messes. Where there are no oxen. The stall is clean. You have anointed me like that of a wild ox. You have anointed me with fresh oil. You've anointed me to break in and break out and kick down that which is in the way. So I'm going to give you a vision and I'm going to stop for a second. I could just go on. See, that's my trouble. I spend all my life trying to get someone wanting something. But I want to tell you about this Hispanic church before I go on. You know, the, the regular white people. Because, you, you, you know, someone told you that we, we British, we're, you know, stiff up a lip and all that stuff. And nothing moves us. You know, you're all like Prince Charles. I say, jolly good meeting. God isn't British. 
So when God invades you, you lose your culture. But unfortunately, white people are a little slow to lose it. Unless they're watching sport. So most, most white people remind me of the 1950s when you had the old cars and you, come on, you can do it. Come on, stay, you can do it. I'll come out, I'm preaching to most white churches and I'm, I'm, I'm white so I can do this. I'm, I'm the blackest white person you'll ever meet. I can even dance like a black person, so don't. Listen, I come out drenched. I've been, what have you been doing? I've been preaching to white people. I feel like the coach on the side. You can do it. Come on. Come on a bit further. You can do it. Until they're touched by God. But Hispanics are naturally a bit... It's true, isn't it? And then you get Jamaicans. Jesus! I've ministered to Jamaicans. My brother's married to a Jamaican. You, when you pray the Holy Spirit on a Jamaican, you need to be able to Mohammed Ali. <laughs> so I'm in a Hispanic church. They're 95% Hispanic. Uh, they're right down on the border of Mexico. And, and I'm preaching on the fire of God. And I'm preaching on this encounter that I'd had. And people so received it, they began to physically shake in their seats. And the Holy Spirit began to fall. In, and suddenly, as I'm preaching, a guy jumps up from the back and shouts, I want it! You're And he runs at me. So I said... As he's coming, I thought, well, either, either we got the goods or we're about to get tackled. And he runs at me and I say, in Je- and he, I hit him in Jesus' name. And he goes, ah, he's on the floor and he's like a fish. The next minute, another one comes. And he comes running at me. And another one comes running at me. And another one comes around. I felt like a spiritual Bruce Lee. I oh, thought, Jesus! They were burning What were they doing? This is what the Holy Spirit told me. And this is the key to everything. I said, Lord, what was that? He said, they have learned... Listen to these words, how to draw from the wells of salvation. They weren't going to sit there and say, douse me. They were going to the source. They felt something and they ran at it. They ran at it. Now this is just to, to help the older ones. Anybody here is older. See, a lot of older people say, well, you know. (laughs) 
guys, can I just give you, this is, this is my humor now. Have you ever thought about what God did to Sarah? I love it. Genesis 18 verse 12. She laughs when God's talking. <laughs> and she says to herself, <laughs> look at me. Finito. And she says, and my master, he's worn out. So she's saying in Californian, it don't happen no more, no more. And God says to Abraham, why is your wife laughing? And she says in the tent, I'm not laughing. And God says, oh yes, you were. And by the way, I'll do what I said I'll do. Now listen to what happens next. If you read what happens next, not only does she get touched by God, a king sees a 90-year-old woman. Now, either he's a weirdo. <laughs> Come look at my harem. Or something has happened to this woman. See, the reason I'm talking to old people is sometimes we, we older people say, well, I've done my bit. And, no, no, are you breathing? Are you breathing? It means God has not finished. God needs our age group to be the Caleb's to bring these young people through. I know you won't believe this, I sometimes do better with young people than old people. Because young people go, are you for real? Yeah. A Polish guy came up to me and said, are you for real? I said, yeah. He said, you've got to come to Poland. 300 leaders. I've got videos of Poland. Suddenly moving and crying out and dancing and shouting and weeping and militancy coming up in Poland. Reading's per- Reading's perfect. <laughs> you're perfect. Right. Everybody thinks you're weird anyway. <laughs> Breakers anointing. I'm not going to stop where I am. See, this is what I want to do. If I can just do it for a minute, then you take over. I want a militancy to get hold of your spirit. I want you to start saying, I'm a son of God. See, you're doing the Catholic prayer. Next, you'll be running around a rosary. I can't hear anything. Listen to what it says. And he divides a portion among the great. He finds people that will not stop until they have what it is 
that God wants them. See, you weren't birthed just to have another church. You weren't birthed, you were birthed for purpose. It's not a competition. We're not competing with our brothers up the hill. We're saying there's an element that we must carry. But unless you get a breakthrough spirit in your spirit, you'll never get a breakout spirit within your church. So I'm going to pray that God would release a prophetic breakthrough spirit. Oh God, all over this auditorium, Lord, not the entertainment of it, but the necessity of it. Lord, that the breaker's anointing will hit this house. The breaker's anointing will hit this man, hit his wife. I can't help it. I'm just prophesying to you first. I can't help it. You told me something outside that just hit about your dear daughter. And it hit me. And the Lord just said to me, tell him. Tell him. I'm going to make it up to him. Tell him I'm going to give him sons and daughters and sons and daughters and grandchildren in the spirit. Tell him I'm going to cause him to become like a spiritual pied piper. That people will be drawn to the song and drawn to the sound. And I'll give you sons and daughters that equal the natural. Tell him. Oh Lord. You might not understand this but it doesn't matter. He will. Tell him that she's one of the cloud of witnesses. (laughs) And tell him that she stands right next to him so often in fact I prophesied you you will smell a smell and you'll know that smell Jim you did not just stumble in here you were stumbled in here God tripped you up and brought you in because your days were not over I want to touch you your days are not over Your days are not over. Your call has not yet been fulfilled. The anointing that you knew was yours is coming again. Oh son, it's coming again. Your days are not over. Your ministry is not over. I've caused you to come among a radical people because there's a radical call. You are going to lead many to me. Many to me. That prophecy on your t-shirt, young man, there it is. Make Christ great again. Make him great again. Let the power of God come through your body again. And Lord, let him know total and utter freedom in you again. 